Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Amy Rusa has worked the last 18 years in the field of safety, ranging from construction to general industry. She has worked with organizations such as the National Safety Council, helping create the government and public sector division, and is also the co-founder of the Iowa Women in Safety Conference, which connects women to both safety and professional resources for career growth. Amy is passionate about safety and specifically passionate about women's safety across all trades, which is why she founded the Safety Rack this year to discuss women's PPE issues in the trades and why she's working to close this gap for women's safety. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Amy. Hi, thanks for having me on. Amy, we're so excited to get you on the show. We first met last year when you reached out to me to see if we would like to, I think it was to donate a pair of Juno Jones boots to the Iowa Women in Safety Conference. And so that's how we connected. And I had no idea, you know, what a great project you had brewing with the safety rack at the time. It was just all about your Iowa Safety Conference. But can you tell us about that conference and how you got started with it? And you're one of the co-founders. I am. I started that about four, four and a half years ago. I've been in safety long enough that, you know, when I go to a conference or I go to a safety training, I was typically like the only female for the longest time and Mm -hmm. in the conferences or in the training room. And slowly as I met females, I'm like, Hey, another female, this is great. Let's Mm -hmm. chat. And I was fortunate enough Around the time that I started that, I was in a career where I was doing more consulting type stuff and I was starting to meet more women and I was starting to have these conversations and they were like, you know, there's really nothing for us to do to meet up. Mm -hmm. And so I was at a conference for Cookwood Community College. They have a safety conference every February. I'm good friends with the people that put that on. And I went up to David Hughes over there and I'm like, hey, is there any way I could just have like one session so that, you know, we could have women in and talk about issues. And he's like, you know, go talk to Barbara, see what she wants to do or something. And I think Barbara and I talked for like 10 minutes. And by the end of the 10 minutes, we're like, we're just going to develop our own conference separate from the other one. (laughs) So the idea came in 10 minutes. (laughs) in, In like 10 minutes, like we need to do this. And I'm like, okay, I've never started something from scratch. I don't know what I'm doing. I had amazing boss at the time, Tracy, who's like, what do you need? Let's do this. And we utilized Cookwood Community College and their resources to have a place to hold the conference. And then I just used my connections of all these women that I knew saying, hey, if I did this event and I did it for free, would you show up? And they're like, sure. And Mm -hmm. so I think the first year I thought like, okay, 15, 20 women show up. It's going to be great. And I had like 60 show up. And I'm like, it was something after that we did kind of like the bare minimum. I had vendors come in to speak as the guests, but afterwards the response that we got back was we had to continue it. And so right after the first one, all of a sudden I had a board of women that now sit and help develop this, which was great. And we've just been developing year after year. And it's 
always based off of what the group wants to hear. And we started off, you know, thinking it was going to be 20 people and now it's 110 women. That's amazing. So yep. what year was this that you started? Um, 2018, I want to say. Okay. okay so yeah, it hasn't been that long. It's been no, it has not been that long at all. If you're talking about women in Iowa in safety, what kind of numbers are we talking about? What kind of fields, I guess? I know numbers maybe is hard to calculate because there's so many. No, and I think that's important because I think there's a larger number out there and we can't actually get it because you have a lot of smaller companies and mom and pop shops where Mm -hmm. the HR person is also in the function of safety Mm -hmm. or it's somebody on the production line that's doing safety for the company as well, but they need the resources for it. So we try to capture everybody that is having some role in safety that they can come in, get the resources that they need, network, talk, find the avenues that they want, and then take that back and utilize it to protect the workers there and then grow their career in safety. And what are some of the main industries that safety professionals are coming out of? Here in Iowa, you're going to have a lot of manufacturers. You're going to have ag, welding, construction, a little bit of everything, but it's mm-hmm. there. Since we do it in Cedar Rapids, we do have a lot of manufacturers. They're like Quaker Oats and Pepsi. So we'll see like those people come in. But then you also have the smaller towns that might just be a large fabrication shop that has like 60 workers and the HR ladies doing the the safety and she needs resources. And so that's why I made sure that when we started the conference, it was standalone. It's not part of NSC or ASSP. And the reason for that is, is not everybody can afford those memberships. For our listeners, can you tell us what those two organizations are? Oh yeah. ASSP. American Society of Safety Professionals and NSC is the National Safety Council. Love both of them. I'm a member of both of them. But as I was consulting and I was talking to these women, they just couldn't afford the membership or their work wouldn't support them going to those types of conferences. So it was important for me to keep something separate and independent that didn't require a membership fee. And the cost was really low for them to attend because at the end of the day, it was about getting them the resources that they needed so they could do their job to protect the workers. Well, let's talk a little bit about your background, Amy. You've worked in safety for 18 years. Is this something you always knew you wanted to get into or was it sort of organic? Like, how did you get into it? (laughs) I think it was like a little bit of a combination. I was enrolled in school to do environmental science Mm -hmm. and I was with a retailer at the time and I was already picking up the environmental side. I was doing the safety committee side and Mm -hmm. they got into some trouble and needed to have a safety person on site. And so that's how I ended up getting the role of safety. And so it slightly happened organically. It slightly was intentional, I guess, in some avenues, but I didn't really know at the time, 18 years ago, that I could make this a career. Yeah. I kept learning it. I kept becoming a subject matter expert. I think that's the great thing about safety is you can be in this without actually having a full degree if Mm -hmm. you learn it and you become good at it and you get the certificates behind it slowly over time. And that's what I see here in Iowa is a lot more folks, both men and women, tend to have that background where they just picked up safety. They didn't go to school for it. They didn't pursue a CSP. They just took it and ran with it. And that's how they got their career started. So people in safety can have all different types of backgrounds. It's just a matter of like or learning it on the job and then their certifications. So I'm I'm curious about whether this is a good career to promote to women. It seems like it is. I'd like your take on that. 
and what they have to do to become qualified. Yeah, I think it is a good career choice. To get qualified one, you can either just step up and start picking up the safety at work, or you can start taking courses online. I know Southern Columbia University does have a degree program. Some local colleges do too, but some of the more local colleges like Cookwood Community College will have certificates that you can get like the certified occupational safety specialist. And that's a good one to kind of get started and get a certification background so that you can start becoming that subject matter expert. Getting your OSHA 30 and getting that baseline down is good. And then the gold standard is getting the CSP, which is the certified safety professional. That is expensive. It does take time. It is 100% worth getting. I don't have one yet. It is something that I would like to do down the road. I'm just not going to personally spend the money out of my own account for that. So my employer will have to do that. Mm-hmm. I've spent enough money out of my own pocket for certifications over the years. It behooves um, an employer to do that because they're helping their own bottom line in the long yeah. run. And most employers will. For me, I think for a woman going into this, depending on the industry, you have to realize a couple of things. One, you can become very passionate about it. And it Mm -hmm. is really great to be that resource and show improvement in that safety culture and protect the worker. On the opposite side of that, it's very easy to become the punching bag in terms of feeling like you're always getting hit with having to do more and feeling like you're doing the job of three or four people or having that worker that comes in and is venting all the time or, you know, fighting with you because they don't want to stay compliant with safety or fighting with leadership because they don't understand why they need to do things a certain way to stay compliant with safety. So you have to be mindful that it can be stressful at times, but it is worth it. I mean, the partnerships that I've built over the years in both construction and general industry to help make changes is a good feeling. And if you can take the tools that you learn and apply them to make the change, you really become a valuable asset for the company. And you do feel valued at the end of the day for the role you're in. A couple of things I wanted to ask you about that. So first of all, you mentioned that it is a good career for women, but it is common that the safety person gets like sort of the brunt of the frustration. Have you noticed that being any harder on women? Like are people taking it out harder on women safety professionals than men? Or is it about like just everybody that's a safety professional? Yeah. I think when you look at like where it's hard, it's when you have like a high injury rate, right. Mm -hmm. And you have upper leadership going, you know, what are you going to do about this? And you almost feel like it's your fault and it's not. And it becomes a little tiresome. I don't know. I guess I would have to ask this question if women feel like they get the brunt of it more. Maybe they feel that way. I certainly have. because I get the brunt of a lot of things. We do. And I can definitely say from experience, the way I have been spoken to from leadership versus a guy in safety has been totally different. Where I've actually been in the room going, you just said the same thing to him, Mm -hmm. but in a totally different manner that was positive versus the way you just left me feeling. We always have to be aware of that. And I think that goes across any profession that you're in, that you're going to probably be left feeling like you're getting the brunt of it more than your male colleagues. Yeah, I agree that that's sort of a pervasive issue that we have to deal with as women and that, you know, we're always looking for solutions. You know, maybe it's not safety specific. You mentioned that there are pros and there are cons. Let's talk about the pros of the industry. 
So you said, you know, you can get very passionate about it, which obviously that's your path. Like you're very passionate. This is your, your life right now. And you're, you have so many, so much vision and so many projects that you're working on that, which we'll get to with the safety rack. What are some of the pros of the industry for women? The pros won the pay. If you become a subject matter expert, you can definitely be paid really well in this profession. And that was something that came up at a conference because I don't have my degree, right? And I make a lot more than some of my friends with degrees do. Now I'm in the process of getting my degree, one, just so that I have it and be in IO psychology, which is industrial occupational psychology. And that way I can get my CSP too. So that's one avenue. The other is you can move around. So if you want to be a safety coordinator and move up to safety director, you can be. So that's a pro. If you love continuous learning like I do, that's another pro to this because you are continuously learning the updates to the OSHA and ANSI standards, but also the behavioral stuff that you have to learn because safety isn't just about regurgitating the OSHA and ANSI standard is also understanding human behavior Mm -hmm. and getting all these individuals within the organization to work cohesively towards the goal of, you know, reducing injuries in the workplace. So those are the pros for me. Some of it does come with flexible hours. Probably the cons are going to be, you do work some long hours. The cons is sometimes your employer doesn't realize you're doing the job of two to three people because you know, oh, we just need one safety person on site. Well, your safety person's working 80 hours and doesn't get to see their family. That needs to be something where as the safety person, you're stepping up saying, hey, let's break this down. You know, we might need to have a safety coordinator or a safety intern or contract some of this stuff out, you know, but that comes with awareness and communication and speaking up for yourself. I think for a woman too, if you're in this industry, probably a con, and it could be across a lot of industries, is you're going to deal with misogyny at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, right? I had a job recently where I dealt with a leader that did treat me different than the male safety colleagues that we were working with. And it got to a point where I was lucky enough that my safety director at the time noticed it. And as I was telling him some of these microaggressions that I was experiencing, he's like, so he's being sexist. And I'm like, well, I defaulted to a behavior of trying to like tippy toe around the subject. And I was thankful enough that I had my safety director at the time, Chris, who was like not standing for it and went and had a conversation with that supervisor that, you know, Amy is a subject matter expert. She's really good at what she does. And you are verbally treating her different than you are treating the other guy. And so That's kind of a con. It's something though that I'm pretty used to experience in some form or fashion wherever I've gone to where I just kind of roll with it. And I know if I can get other people on my side to kind of be my advocate, it changes over time because I try not to rock the boat, but there are days where you just have to call it out. And I'm thankful that I do have people that call it out for me. And if they don't, I just have that conversation on the side too, you know? That's what, you know, we talk about this in our communities. I'm sure your community and safety as well about the importance of male allies and how men need to step up. I mean, a lot of times it's very easy to like sit there and say, I agree with her and like maybe tell her, you know, tell the woman privately, but no, like we need you to speak up. Like maybe that's not your comfort zone, but you need to get out of that comfort zone, speak out, speak up. 
I had a, a male colleague once do something similar. And I just looked at him and I go, do you think it's easy for the fact that I'm known for speaking up? Yeah. That in part of my French, I just don't take the bullshit all the time. I may tippy toe around it, but you're constantly on the back end, quietly having the conversation going, I support you. Well, that doesn't do anything for right. us. It doesn't help us. And mm-hmm. it doesn't help us when we have to be the ones to speak up in a room for men and nobody's taking our side. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think especially now more than ever, we need allies and men are our allies and they need to step up and be able to feel comfortable in their own skin, standing up against their peers and saying, you know, we need to have a conversation about this because it's not right. I'm hoping to see that more. I would love to actually see more men at my women in safety conference. Exactly. This is the one probably problem that I have with women's month every March is I see all these great things on LinkedIn. Is and that all, Women's Construction Week or, or oh, Women's, Women's History Month or yeah, what whatever we call it every March. Yeah. Is we see all these posts of all these events for women and it's all women in the room. Where are the mm-hmm. men? Where are the allies? Yeah. Why are they not showing up to this event and supporting women? Well, it's maybe not that's, just, that's the next front in our battle is that we have to get that knowledge, that education out there that yes, we need you and we want you. You're not just because we're calling our organization something with women, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be there. Yeah. You're suddenly excluded. No, it's, (laughs) we're talking about women's issues. It's directed towards women, but you can be the ally that comes to the event, you know, and supports it. This last year at the women's safety conference, we actually, I think had the most men and it was like nine, but I was so happy. You know, I had nine men come to the event that wanted to participate. And so I think this next year we'll have a little bit more too, but yeah, we definitely, I think for a lot of communities across all the trades, we need to have better allyship and we, and it starts with the men feeling the okay and comfortable standing up and supporting us. Exactly. And it does grow each year and hopefully it will continue. And that's part of our mission. Let's talk about PPE. PPE is for our listeners is personal protective equipment. I feel like everybody probably knows this because of COVID with the masks (laughs) and hearing about PPE at this point, but for us in the industry, it's such a term that we are so familiar with, but it might not be familiar across other industries. So let's talk about it. Why is it so important, Amy, that we have personal protective equipment for women? Because like, obviously personal protective equipment is equipment to protect a person's body. Why can't we use the same equipment for both genders or for all genders or for across the board? Oh, very easily. Your body is not designed like a male body, right? It's totally different. And so as an industry, manufacturers have predominantly made male PPE and, Mm -hmm. or unisex. And so I've been on job sites where it's been, all we have is a large or an extra large. And I put it on, I'm swimming in it. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I start to walk and I walk out of a room and I get caught on a doorknob and I swing back and jerk. I become a walking hazard, a walking entanglement. And it becomes a problem I'm on that job site when all I'm focused on is adjusting my safety vest because it's not keeping me safe. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a psychological thing for me because now I'm not focused on the task at hand. I'm not really feeling comfortable and confident as a subject matter expert because I'm consciously aware that the clothing that I'm wearing does not fit me. And so as an industry, this has been going on for too long. And four years ago, when we did the Women in Safety Conference, that issue came up and I made the mistake of having a male manufacturer come up to speak on PPE. 
And I didn't realize this at the time, but he was just speaking on all men's PPE. And I'm watching a room and it dawns on me the mistake I've made. And that Mm -hmm. is these women start saying, where's our PPE? Uh And they had every right to say that. I didn't prep him for this. He didn't prep himself. (laughs) We became so complacent. Oh my gosh. Oh, it it was bad. Like I wrote his boss a nice letter saying, you know, he handled it like a champ, but it got a really good discussion going with that manufacturer. And it got me looking at what was out there for PPE because being able to say, well, we just have unisex. Okay. That's not unisex. You tried to slim it down. It still fits men better than women. We need our own sizes because our bodies are so different from men. Mm-hmm. Our hands, for example, we have slimmer fingers, shorter fingers, smaller hands, and we can't be swimming in gloves that don't protect us because all we're going to do is take it off to get the job done. Mm-hmm. If I have that safety vest on again and it doesn't fit, I'm a walking entanglement. If you just shrink it and pink it for shoes Mm -hmm. and think that that's okay, it's not because now I just got these clunky clogs on that don't actually fit me correctly. And I just look like a hot mess on a job site, Mm -hmm. which thank you very much for your shoes because we needed brands like that to come out, but we still have a shrink it, pink it mentality among a lot of manufacturers. So what I started doing was looking at what brands were out there. And I just started like sharing it. And that last year at the conference, I reached out to every vendor I Googled and said, Hey, would you be a giveaway vendor? Would you give a gift card and let a woman pick a size that she can wear for herself? Mm -hmm. And the response was huge. And that conversation kept building. And I finally just kind of got pushed into it with people saying, you need to do something because Mm -hmm. you know the most about this. You know how to reach out to these people, do something. And I'm like, "Uh, okay, well, what if I do something called the safety rack? And (laughs) that's how that got started. Okay. Tell Um, tell us about the safety rack. What is it? What is your vision for it? The safety rack. And I'm still like, I don't know if I'm kind of working on this or not. And I'm kind of (laughs) going on a little soapbox tangent. So I apologize. The safety rack is designed, one, to close the PPE gap for Mm -hmm. women across all trades. It's designed to get information out there on who is designing women's PPE, like Juno Jones, Radiance, Utility Pro, CoverGals, all those. I want to progress it to where it's more than just me doing the product reviews. So right now, I get the products in whether I'm buying it or it's being handed to me from the vendor, I'm testing them out and they take about anywhere from four to six to eight weeks to test out. And then I'm doing these reviews. And right now I just have a couple of reviews out there. I ended up, I was videoing off my phone and now I've got new equipment. So I'm going to be filming stuff in better quality soon. It was important for me to be able to show, okay, I'm the average US female is a size 16. I'm a size 14 almost 200 pounds. Hate putting that information out there. My husband's a chef, so I blame him for that. Uh, (laughs) But I wanted something that was realistic. Like here is how it realistically fits my five, seven and a half, almost 200 pound body at a size 14 so that you have a visual reference when you're looking at it. And then you can actually see how does it hang on my arms? How does it hang by my race? Does it taper? And then I give the review of what makes that product 
something that you might find functional in your field, whether it's trucking or mining or construction. Mm -hmm. And then a little bit about that manufacturer, like who they are, where they're at. And so that's where it's at right now, where it's going to be morphing into is a larger platform to also give women their voice in trades to talk about the pros and cons of being in the trades. What does it take to be in their specific trade? But also let's dive into the the psychosocial hazards that Mm -hmm. these women are facing in these trades. I'm on a lot of trade pages and I read the daily things that these women get said to them and that they face to break down these barriers. And at the same time I'm reading all this, I have friends that are VPs going, I can't retain women in the trades in my organization. I don't know why. And when I go out and I ask them, they say everything's fine. Well, they're going to say that because they want to keep their job and they don't want to rock the boat. So mm-hmm. I want to give a platform to where these voices can be heard. So we create an awareness and women who want to enter that trade can hear it, but also the employer can finally hear the honest conversation they can't have with their employees so that maybe down the line, they can do something. Your mission here is beyond just PPE. It's really mm-hmm. creating a platform where we can have these conversations, but beyond that, it's really a platform where employers can come to learn about what's actually going on yeah. in these industries. That's very needed. Yeah. What we have is we have all these different silos, right? We have your silo, which is the manufacturing side of shoes, right? Then mm-hmm. you have the trade silos. Then you have like the safety silo and then the employer silo and all these other organizations. We're all working individually in these silos but we can't accomplish the goal of closing down these gaps if we're all not working cohesively. And so a big part of my goal, I have no idea how I'm going to do this, is to get everybody simultaneously shouting the same thing so that we can close the gap faster. There are like eight, what is it, eight and a half million women in the trades. That mm-hmm. number is growing. But in order to grow it, and protect the current workers, but more importantly, also protect the next generation, we need to have some very uncomfortable and honest conversations. And it goes beyond just the PPE. The PPE to me is the first step. Like there is no excuse not to fit your females on the job site with proper PPE, especially when I can name off over 20 vendors Mm -hmm. that would be happy to do business with you. including Juno Jones. Uh, So there's no excuse for that. But then once you fit them with that, right, you close down one gap. Now you have another gap. You have the psychosocial hazards that they're facing. We need to close that gap. And we are not able to do that if we're all just sitting in our silos, doing our own thing, still advocating, but we all need to do it together and we need to do it simultaneously. And I'm just trying to figure out a way. So if anybody's listening to this and they're like, I might be interested in helping you for all means, reach out to me. I'm for ideas. This isn't about me. This is about making work safe for women on job sites and the next generation coming up because the way we change these industries and grow these industries that are already experiencing gaps with employment and high turnover is to have these conversations and make it a good, psychologically safe place for women to work. 
So Amy, Juno Jones and I have been part of the Empowering Women in Industry Conference for several years now. And last year, we helped organize the Women's Workwear Fashion Show, which was awesome. And this year, we're doing it again, even bigger. And you are a part of it. You're going to be the fashion show MC, is that right? I will MC co-host, I think. It, mm-hmm. This thing's so big this year, we have to have two MCs, I think. Nice. Yes. So I'm really excited about that. I really excited to see the conference and be a part of it this year. I wasn't a part of it last year. I learned about it last year and that's where I started getting involved and I started reaching out to Charlie and we had the back and forth. So I'm thrilled to be a part of it. And I'm also speaking at the event. I'll have a session Mm -hmm. on active listening, which I personally could do better at, but you know, tips and tricks for like really evolving your listening skills so that you can achieve goals that you want in your career. I think it's so important. And honestly, for me, it's something that I never thought about until I started doing a podcast and then it became so necessary you know, to be an active listener. And so tell me more about what you're hoping to bring to the table for the conference. Your background's PPE. And we've delved into, of course, these areas at the conference before with the fashion show and everything. And what are you going to be able to share with the group and bring to the table? I think I'm just going to do a deep dive into what the clothes are as we have the awesome models come out Mm -hmm. and really talk about what makes each item special and individual because PPE is all not the same. They are manufactured, you know this, they are manufactured differently and be able to speak to that, be able to speak to the brands that are out there supporting women and how those brands can empower them. That's such a great idea because in the past and in all the fashion shows around women's work, you know, I should clarify that it's not just PPE for this fashion show, it's women's workwear in general. So it could include any kind of workwear that you might wear on a job site or even into the office. It's really just about all women in industries, self-expression and how they choose to do that. So a lot of times when we're looking at various types of clothing and PPE, we're talking about, well, not PPE, but say, for example, jeans that you might wear on the work site, like we might be looking at how they appear and how they look, but you're going to be able to speak to more of the details. Yeah. So like, I wonder, I'll have to double check. I think we will have dovetail there. Mm -hmm. I have their pants right now. I'm testing them. And you know, what I look for when I'm testing is not just fit, right? Not just length. How can I squat in them? Can I squat for them in a long period of time? Can they hold up to being on a job site or on a farm? Are they comfortable in 90 plus degree weather here in Iowa? That's also extremely humid. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm looking at all those things. And then the durability, how do they hold up and wash? I test all the products for several weeks and they get through the ringer pretty fast. So being able to talk about those products, how they fit the workwear. Yes. And that is one of the things that I do on the YouTube channel too, is talk about the workwear and not just the PPE. It's both, right? We have to have everything to protect ourselves on a job site and be functional and comfortable at the same time. If it's functional, let's talk about it. And let's talk about why it's functional. Cause every, again, every brand's a little bit different. And somebody might like something in that fashion show because it's just slightly more different. And that's what I'm hoping to share is why each brand is unique Mm -hmm. and how you might like it. Dovetail just has a lot of pockets. So I'm putting that (laughs) out there and they're exclusive. Yeah. I just had a friend. She's 
a bigger lady, she wears a size 22, was mm-hmm. able to buy a pair of overalls from Dovetail. She was so ecstatic. She sent me pictures of it and it just mm-hmm. made her day because they're so inclusive on their sizing. So that's another that's- thing that we'll be sharing is the sizing. Oh, that's amazing. Just so everyone knows a little bit more about the Empowering Women in Industry Conference. This is a conference that has been taking place every year since 2019. I think 2020 was on hold. 2021 was virtual. We were back in person in 2022. It's for women in all different industries to come together and talk about the issues that they're facing in these industries. A lot of the industries are more of like your hazardous industries, like women who are engineers and women in construction, but it really does run the gamut and they have speakers who come and speak about all different types of issues regarding you know, women's empowerment and forwarding themselves in the workplace and how we can work together and work within our industries to get more women into the industries and also to help the women who are already in there to rise to the top. There are breakout sessions. And then toward the end of the evening, we have a fashion show talking about women's PPE. And then we also have an awards gala where many awards are presented to women in various categories, such as like Tradeswoman of the Year, which Juno Jones actually sponsors that. And engineer of the year, marketer of the year. So there's all different categories. And then we have a big dinner and a dance. It's a lot of fun. If you're at all interested in getting involved with a women in industry organization, I highly recommend this one because it's so dynamic, so much fun. It's definitely all encompassing too. Like you get everybody from all walks there. And I'm so excited about meeting everybody that's going to come. Oh yeah. It's people that you may have met online. If you're like on LinkedIn or some Instagram, some of these other platforms, and then you get to actually meet everyone in person. So that makes it even more special. Amy, what can we as women in industry do to educate our employers, just the companies we may work for or do business with about the importance of women's PPE? I think we have to speak up. And one of the things that I've noticed in the conversations and the research over the last four years on this is it's kind of some different areas here. So one, we get complacent. I know I have in the past, I still get complacent on stuff every once in a while. We have to speak up and we have to educate the employer on why. Now, most employers will probably come back and say, well, this is all that we get from Granger or Fastenal or Centos. No, it's not. You actually need to dive in and talk to those companies and push back, right? So it's really about getting the employer to recognize that they need to go back to whoever their supplier is and push back to get the product that they need. It's out there. It can be sourced. It is available. It doesn't have to be specially made. A lot of it will come down to a purchaser where they just are like, well, this is what our contract says. Awesome. Doesn't mean you can't go back and have a conversation. When does that contract expire? Can you work outside of that contract to go get the women the safe clothing that they need? So Mm -hmm. we have to have clothing that fits us so that we're not going to be a hazard on the job site. Mm -hmm. You know, you get into an accident because you're not wearing the right PPE, it's going to cost the employer anyways. So there's part of your argument. I think on one of the calls I did recently where we were talking about this, I had a lady talk about how like she just couldn't get her employer to understand this and see it as an initiative. And I pushed back a little bit and said, well, do you have a DNI committee, diversity yeah. and inclusion committee? And she said, yes. And I'm like, there you go. Diversity and inclusion committees always need goals. And if they don't have one, 
this is a great goal that is actionable and can show progress and show to completion that you can close, that everybody can be involved in. So if you're a female out there, definitely talk to your employer about it. I have several podcasts out there where I'm talking about this, this one too, where you can send it to them. Mm -hmm. I will have more content for employers on the YouTube channel as well. And there are some studies out there too. And I think from my understanding, there's a few more that's going to be coming out. So I will put those on my LinkedIn page. Okay. You need to go reference those, but that education piece from the female side of it and male advocates too, Mm -hmm. is a good thing. Now, if you're an employer listening to this, you don't have to wait for your females to come up to you and be like, yeah, the unisex (laughs) clothing sucks. Can we have something? Take the initiative to get out onto your job sites and listen, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's where we really learn what's going on with our culture. And it'll be one of the things I talk about in the, the empowerment session that I'm doing in October. Listen, like truly listen and truly observe your environment and the environment that these women are going through to, to get better understanding. And then go back to your purchaser, whoever is buying that product and say, let's do better and let's get the appropriate stuff. It is not, I've once heard the argument, it's going to cost us more. Now I've been doing the pricing recently. It's not going to cost you more. Mm-hmm. That's a load. You can be able to get these off Granger, Fastenal, Cintas, or buy it direct. You can work with Utility Pro to buy in bulk. Like mm-hmm. there's so many avenues to get this product in and get it yeah. stocked. So you just have to work through it. And if an employer's stuck, by all means, you can reach out to me. I normally have an avenue and a solution, not mm-hmm. all the time, but I can help you. Uh, you heard it here. You can reach out directly to Amy for help on those employers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Amy, will tell us where can our listeners find the safety rack? Where can they get in touch with you? You just offered up your <laughs> services. <laughs> can they find you? I'm on LinkedIn pretty actively. I am under Amy Russo. There is a private page for the safety rack that you can join, uh, but you have to find me first on LinkedIn. Sorry. I'm not completely tech slabby. I'm also on YouTube under the safety rack and there will be some new videos coming soon. And then Instagram and Twitter on the safety rack. I have yet to do Facebook. Just haven't gotten there because you and I had talked back and forth about me designing a website and mm-hmm. I'm working towards that. That's one of the goals. Great. That website will house resources for not only women in the trades, but also employers. And I would like to actually set up a small store on there yeah, so that you can find all the brands that I'm reviewing and talking about. That's a great goal to have. Yep. I love that. Well, Amy Rusa, founder of The Safety Rack, co-founder of Iowa Women in Safety Conference. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the Hazard Girls podcast. The work you're doing is it's so hugely important to not only the morale and safety of women in the workplace, but really to the well-being of our country as a whole, because we're trying to you know, as a country, grow our workforce and welcome more diversity into it. And this is how we do it. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Emily. And I can't wait to actually meet you in person in October. That's crazy to me. I I know, right? (laughs) We talk enough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait to see you October 13th at the Empowering Women in Industry Conference. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.